Okay, hey, welcome to another episode of Leith HR Group Presents HR Nightmares. And I have a feeling this episode is going to be more about HR dream come trues with the ladies of Honeyhead Films, Erica and Christy. And of course, we have the awesome Gabby Plume from Leith HR Group. Hello, hello. Good to be here. She's in from Florida. These are my favorite days when Gabby comes in from Florida. When are you going to move back? Hey, every time I come to Wilmington, I see the growth, the food, the drinks. We were just talking about that. And I'm like, I'm sold. Yes. Well, we got to get Gabby's boyfriend a job here in Wilmington. So for all of you that run tax firms, like, look this guy up. He's pretty awesome. Dan Dixon. (laughs) Let's get him a job in Wilmington. Okay. So today's um, topic is employer branding. And this is like, this is near and dear to my heart. If I had a best friend at work as a chief people officer, I usually like to make that the marketing person and the marketing person usually has videographers on staff or if not they know they know some people that are really great at videography they understand the importance of always putting forward like whether it's on social media or through printed materials and collateral like no matter where you are there should be a specific vibe to your brand as an organization and that vibe may or may not like resonate with everybody that you want, but it's going to help you attract the right people to your company and detract the wrong people. And so that's what I am all about spending a lot of energy on as like a lead HR person is working with creatives like you to help bring a company's story to life. Because a lot of times like we try, we think we're doing a great job, but at the end of the day, like amateur film editing or, you know, Canva goes real far. It goes very, very far. But getting professionals on board to help tell a story is super important. So I want to just like kick this off by having you guys introduce yourselves and talk about what you do at Honeyhead Films and then kind of weave it back to employer branding at the end, if you don't mind. For sure. Yeah. So we're Honeyhead Films. We're a female-led boutique production company. We're actually here in the cargo district. Eric and I founded our company in 2016 and we produced narrative, documentary, and commercial content for all types of clients. And we we work with everyone from small businesses locally here to international NPOs. We've gone as far as Sierra Leone. Wow. And um, Erica is a shooter, director, writer, editor, and I'm a producer, AD, writer, and director. And we, we wear a lot of hats as a company and we're in the middle of a growth spurt. So we're scaling as well. Anything else to add about the kind of stuff that you're doing, especially like on the commercial front? Talk to us about that. Yeah, well, we always we produce what we call brand films because we like to incorporate storytelling into pretty much everything that we do. So that's a big part of our brand as a production company. And a lot of times people come to us because they've seen something we've done and they want this thing. They don't even really know how to describe what they want and what it is, is it's that feminine eye of for storytelling that we have. And it's a softness, it's a narrative touch, and it really allows us in our commercial work to tell a brand or a company's story in an effective way that almost feels like a documentary of their journey and their story to where they are now, whether it's a rebrand, founding a business, or they just want to elevate what is already out there for people and for their client base or their customer base. That's really where we have found our niche in our commercial world. You've probably got a million questions. I'll let you pop in here. Yeah, I mean, running like the marketing for Leith HR Group. So like, and I can tell like videos are taking off, right? On social media, um, showcasing your business, telling your story, like you said. How can businesses, uh, what questions can they ask you um, as filmmakers to like help, like start thinking about how to create their story? Like what questions could they prepare? 
I feel like when we have consultations, people come to us and the first thing we ask them is their origin story. We want to know from the beginning, you know, who you are as a company, who you are as people, because what I've noticed with social media taking off and all of this user-generated content, the more authentically you can represent who you are, the more trust you gain right away as a company. And so we're always trying to get to that story element before we even have ideas about people. So that would be the first step is just to authentically express how you started, where you want to go, and how the customer can connect to you as people. Right, right. Awesome. That's, it's it's interesting, like social media and how it relates to like business and recruiting. Like I, in our latest um, business insights article, I kind of touched on this, like with the growing numbers of Gen Z and millennials entering the workforce, I, for restaurants, like say, you know, you're on vacation, you go check the social media of the restaurant, right? Same type of thing when looking for a job. A lot of people are looking on these digital platforms and having their story there, I think it is really a benefit, you know, get to know the company before even talking to people, right? So. It, make, it makes me think a little bit about like, so right now, small businesses and mid-sized businesses can really win the talent war against kind of the big conglomerations that used to have the leg up on everybody. Like it used to be like, I just can't pay the same as a Fortune 500 company. I can't offer the same benefits package as a Fortune 500 company. But now the world and the and the talent market has shifted and people have reprioritized what's important to them and their families and their life. And it's like, hey, I want to trust and like the people that I work around. I want to like the woman that I work for. I think my organization stands for something. They are socially responsible and they actually go and clean up a beach. They don't just give money, but they di they donate their time and they allow me space to go and give time back to something that I personally care about at Coastal Horizons or whatever. And so I think we have this really great opportunity as small and business businesses to tell that story. Maybe it's through video because that's what's picking up all the likes, right? And so if we tell it through video, what does that kind of setup look like? So we start with the origin story. And then how do I, like, if I want to come to you with an outline of a script and get Honeyhead Films to create this employer branding video for me, that's basically like, come to me, come work for me at Vanica. What does that script end up looking like? So we can tell the origin, but also do a little bit of describing of what is it like to work here? Yeah, we oftentimes get customers or clients who come to us and they do have bright ideas and they know how they want their videos to feel. A lot of times we ask for reference videos. What what are some videos that you like? And if they give us a list of three, then we really enjoy the creative part of synthesizing all of those videos and figuring out what are the similar trends in those videos. So what is our client looking for as far as shooting style, as far as how the story is told? Is it through interviews and testimonials? Is it through a voiceover? Is it through, you know, something even more creative than that, you know, that we might need to come up with and be the first first to do it, you know, with our clients. So our storytelling can, can flex. And oftentimes touching on that social media, what we found now, even in the time that we've been producing content, you know, from 2016, 2017 and onward, we've noticed that brands are moving away from this need for one big parent video that goes on a website that's like a three to five minute story of their brand and they might still want that but what we're trying to provide is an interesting and unique way to market your content which is to produce long-form videos that can be broken down and re-edited into these micro stories so one big story of the brand that then can be 
partitioned out into micro stories that can be pushed to social media. So finding those ways to work with people on their stories. And a lot of times you were asking about scripting and shot listing and storyboarding. Mm -hmm. A lot of times what we'll do is we'll create a visual with words next to it. If there's a script, it's not usually a traditional narrative script like you would see for a screenplay Mm -hmm. or something like that. It's more hyper visual so people can see what they would see on screen and then read what they would hear underneath the video. So trying to help guide people through that visualization process before we get onto set and before we're in production so that all that isn't happening in post-production. That's awesome. What do you do like with people that get nervous? I absolutely loved. So when Gabby first started working with me, was it like a year and a half ago, Mm -hmm. almost, I think, when you were like interning um, with WorkTalk. But we won an opportunty to, to do a video with Cucaloris. Like oh, yeah. they partner up ten uh, by ten. Yes, and yes. Tori worked on it. Yes, I, I saw it. Yeah, it's awesome. And it was great, and they did an amazing job. But when you put somebody and, and Gabby was awesome, and this is what I love about Gabby is she went out and started like researching how to be an actress. Okay, and be comfortable yeah. in front of. And I just thought that was like the most adorable thing that ever happened. Anyway, she did a great job. I was super glad I didn't have to be in front of the camera. But like, what do you do? with your average Joe Schmo that works for corporate America and then you put them in front of a camera and they're just like frozen. They don't remember what they were supposed to say, how they were supposed to act and you're having to do a million takes. Like, How do you put people at ease? What's your kind of technique there? We generally try to avoid a script as the first step. If people are really insistent on it, I'll get to that later, directing people that are not (laughs) script. But usually when when we're pulling a story out of people, what we found is effective is when they forget that they're on camera. So yeah. they start to loosen up and open up. It's almost like a podcast. You get five minutes in and then it gets juicy. Yeah. <laughs> your customers and your clients want to connect with the truth of who you are. And so we set up interviews. Erica's behind the camera and we have them look directly at me. We try to get them to forget that it's even there at all. And I lock eyes with them and we just start talking and we have a conversation. And I'll ask a bunch of bogus questions at the top to get all their jitters out. And then once they're starting to share and they forget a little bit, I'll pepper in some harder questions. A lot of times they stumble with their words and they have ums and things, but we just assure them at the beginning, the magic of editing is everything. And we're probably going to use four seconds of your face. And this is going to become the voiceover for your whole project. We're never going to make you sound stupid. We're professionals and you've got to trust us and they can kind of relax. And we also have a really feminine way of taking care of our clients. A lot of women hire us too. And we help with hair and we help with makeup and, you know, picking out their wardrobe and making sure that they feel like they look and present their best. And we don't leave a lot of unknowns to them for them to figure it out. So they come That's with, good. with various levels of questions and we're always there to support how you feel. Because if you don't like being on camera to begin with, you're going to kind of hate the process and we really want you to enjoy it. That's awesome. I can attest to that. When we had our headshots done, Erica was like, okay, you look great. Let me just fix that. And I felt like <laughs> being in front of a camera, it is, it's nerve wracking sometimes. And you, you just really helped. So I can attest to that. Well, she had the best headshot. So thanks for <laughs> fixing her hair. She looks like Christy Brinkley. So I'm glad you like it. I often find photographing people that I'll sometimes turn my shutter down. So it's really yeah. I, and it depends on the person. I can tell usually right away if someone is the type of person who wants to hear the shutter of the camera so they know a photo's happening. Mm-hmm. And I'll just I'll just start firing away. And usually if there are people around, I'm like, and the smile is feeling artificial or forced, I'm like, who can make this person laugh? Because yeah. that's what we're looking for is the are those moments where 
someone doesn't even realize they're on camera and how that translates to video is really the conversation piece and getting people to talk to you and almost go unscripted. And usually what I'm doing behind the camera is listening and editing in my head. So Mm -hmm. I'm listening to what someone is saying. And if it feels like they start in on a really good soundbite and then they tangent off and derail, I just keep that beginning in my head and I listen and I watch the interview. And if they don't circle back to it, I'll usually at the end say, hey, can you touch on this point again? Because I'm I'm like, oh, that was a good soundbite. As I'm listening, I'm like, I hope they finish that thought. And people don't always do that because when they're off the cuff, they're not always going to finish a thought. There's sometimes we'll start it and then think of something else. But I'm usually putting the videos together as it's happening to make sure that we're getting everything that we need out of people. But that's like a wow factor. I mean, I'm just thinking about you must have a super high IQ to be able to sit there and do a million interviews (laughs) and then be like editing on the fly in her head. I'd be like needing to like write it down or put it in my notes. That's pretty cool. And I think there, you know, it's almost like I equate it in my head to like interviewing like a candidate. A lot of people are terrible at interviewing candidates because they don't know how how to have a great conversation and like take it back to the things that we want to talk about that matter to the employer or my organization. We just accept an answer and move on. So you would have really missed some juicy sound bites there if you hadn't made the note and then also remember to like circle back and be like, you were on to something great. And then you deviated. They were on to something great, but they flipped their hair forward. <laughs> so we've, we've got to cut back to it, you know, but you've got this awkward continuity issue. And so we're like, hey, don't use your hands. Just sit. Sit. Yeah. Down. Don't touch. It's great where it is. Don't touch it. Never you know? put people in a swivel chair for an interview. Never, ever, ever. As I'm like swiveling the whole time. I, yeah. <laughs> okay. Like don't try to find anything but a swivel chair because people just, if they yeah. get nervous and they start swiveling and on camera, that just looks so funny because the average person who's tuning in isn't going to know that they're in a swivel chair. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like a tick. You're like chest up. Yeah. No, that's actually a really good tactical piece of advice. It helps them plan and feel strong and like avoid one of those little nervous, yeah. nervous texts people get. I could see that. It's so cool, everything that you guys do, and you guys really do it all. Like, just hearing all the pieces. Do you guys both work on all projects together? Is that normally how it goes? Yeah. Yeah, I would say for the most part, we're, we collaborate on everything The create from the creative vision, you know, all the way from the concept through through post, because that's what we like to say. We're boutique, but we're fully in-house. So if a project is bigger and requires outsourcing, you know, of someone else to help maybe bring in bigger lights to help light the scene, you know, or someone else to run audio, you know, if, if what we our equipment in-house isn't going to fit, you know, what the needs of the project, then we will bring extra people in. But a lot of times it's just Christy and myself. And we also find that that helps with nerves on set because Mm -hmm. it's intimidating for people if it's their first time on camera to come in and there, you know, are 10 to 15 people running around. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. (laughs) It was great. It was great. But I was like, okay, I'm listening to, okay, don't tap my hands. Don't do this. Don't do that. I look this way. And it was great. And I loved the experience. But for someone who has never acted before in my entire (laughs) life, it was definitely a learning process. Yeah, It was awesome. It was. We also do do it, Honeyhead, to help with the authentic branding, we like to cast non-actors B-roll shoots because we have this skill. It's like a magic power that Eric and I have of what we're saying, making people comfortable on camera and capturing these organic moments that are not 
staged and they're not scripted. We know generally speaking what the scene should be. You know, you want a mom and her son playing in the yard and you want dad to come up and, you know, they greet him because we're selling houses, right? And we're capturing that joy. Having an actor and another actor and someone else that don't know each other, it's going to feel scripted in ways. It's it's like artificial, right? So we often will just go out and find diverse families and convince them to be in these projects and pay them to take about an hour of their day to just live their life. And we'll kind of freestyle sort of direct from behind the camera and just kind of encourage them. Oh yeah. And and you're laughing. What he's saying is funny. <laughs> laughing at each other, but the love is there and it's real and authentic. And instead of feeling kind of like a cheesy Hallmark movie, it just feels like a home movie and it feels real and it helps our clients be able to connect authentically with their audience as well. It's kind of like a visual way of doing a testimonial because a lot of times these real people are clients of our clients. So, you know, if we had, say, a, a real estate broker who was wanting a brand film and we said, do you have any, you know, outstanding clients that you've had really great relationships with and would they be willing to be on camera for your brand film? So there's already that level of trust and yeah. there, but they're real people and mm-hmm. actors. So it's almost like that testimonial is right there visually because it's real people in their house living their dream that our client helped them achieve. So yeah. That's it's a big it's a big part of what we try to do to create that authenticity in in the videos that we produce. So even if I'm let's say I'm a small business and I can't maybe afford a professional film crew just yet, I would completely agree with you that like real people people see right through it. Like on, I'm going to scroll right past the canned. Um, a lot of people pay these like robots to pump out social media posts. And like, we all scroll like right past them. I'm not answering your quiz with an Adobe stock photo. Um, like, but I am engaging with like Gabby sitting in front of a zoom screen and just recording herself and looking happy, talking about all the jobs we're hiring for. Like, that's interesting to me. She looks like a real person and she's pretty nice and she's got a good spiel here. And I'm engaging with that. But like if we could give any advice to small businesses, like when you put out an ad, don't just use your job description and like a bunch of bullets about roles and responsibilities. Try to make it interesting and talk about how this role interacts with colleagues on the team and how it impacts kind of the greater vision and mission of the company, what the team that you're going to be working with, the clients you're going to be working with, like what they're like as human beings, what those relationships look like. And then don't throw an Adobe stock photo on it. We got to use them every once in a while, right, for presentations and stuff. But like, first of all, invest in like a pseudo nice camera or get an iPhone 13 Pro or whatever you can afford. But like, go take a real nice photo of somebody in nice lighting that actually works at your company and put it on your stuff. You know, spend half a day and just go around the office and snap some photos. And Google wants that. They want updated photos of the interior of your office. What does it look like? And they want to know. People want to know. Before Mm -hmm. you even invest the time to drive down there or to give you a call, they can smell it a mile away. Mm -hmm. There's just no reason not to show off what's really actually there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Lifestyle, I, I feel, is is everything now. A lot with marketing, you probably noticed that or recruiting. It's it's everything to tell people, not just, you know, what are your benefits or what is the salary? You know, it's what is the lifestyle of being a part of this company and how does that translate to things even outside of nine to five? How does that translate to how this could improve my overall livelihood and lifestyle as a person who's part of this company? I feel like people are really moving in that direction over the past few years. I feel like I've seen that. So when we're 
working on marketing and video production for clients, we're really trying to take that lifestyle element into consideration. Yeah. What's your company culture? Yeah. Um, how does that impact for people's sure. work-life balance? You know, yeah. those kind of things are really important as well. And things that you should be proud of if you have good company culture. And also, if I have a shitty company culture, I'm probably not calling people like you. So <laughs> <laughs> let's see. What is your favorite brand? Like, if have you seen like a commercial recently or like uh, advertisement on LinkedIn or Instagram or something? Like, what's your favorite brand right now? That's a good question. I'm terrible. I don't have a TV. Oh, my God. This is amazing. No, it's very strange. Um, there's a lady boxer brand right now that I get targeted for on Instagram, and their commercials are really funny. They're kind of like poopery adjacent. Okay. Remember those commercials oh, yeah. back in the day, the, the fairy on the toilet with the poopery? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's called Lady Boxer? I need to remember the name of the brand, but they're like boxers for women. Okay. Yeah, it's like a com. I yes. love comedy things that are really self-aware, comedic advertising that can happen in like 15 seconds. I'm like... I'll, I'll just watch the ad to be impressed by the ad. I'm like, that's great. talking about like camel toes and things. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> obviously, it's only women watching because they're so smart and the robots know. Yeah. I have seen that. On well, the Instagram. robots now know. Um, they've, they're, the robots are listening here. Um, so we're all going to get the ads now. So yeah. we'll be able to. Yeah. You'll enjoy we'll it. Know. At lunch. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I always appreciate some a cinematic branding, too. And I've noticed this more with bigger commercial brands, brands that can afford to produce almost a short film. And then they don't even brand it till the end. You yeah. have your heart wrenched from your chest. You're like crying something. watching a Chevy commercial or something. Yeah, and then yeah. it's like Chevy, you know? <laughs> what? But that made me like Chevy because you showed me this really cinematic short film of a commercial that I felt like I was watching something narrative. So I have a huge respect for that. And I think that that's still really effective as well. Mm -hmm. And that would be a dream to produce. So if anybody's listening and they want a Chevy commercial or whatever your brand is, <laughs> Chevy, you want a commercial are you out there? that feels like a short film, Erica and I are the ones to hire to do that because we would put our all into a narrative script like yeah. that to, to rip your heart out, you know, in 60 seconds or less. And get, we love when when brands give us an Guinness did that. I think that. a few, oh, oh, several years ago, Guinness did a commercial like that where it's a bunch of of a bunch of guys in wheelchairs playing basketball and then at the end they all of them except for one guy get up mm -hmm. so it's like all oh these, yeah i just got goosebumps yeah yeah, yeah. so like yeah, we're, so, yeah. and it's just like get it tonight yeah and you're like exactly right so you're like i love that that's a great concept it was all visual you know and it told the whole story of all of these people coming together in community to support this one person who needed to be you know, in a wheelchair in order to be mobile. So I just loved that. And I was like, man, that was so clever. That was creative. It was heartfelt. And it made me want to go drink a Guinness, you know, of all things. You know, it did its I job. I don't even like Guinness, but I would definitely <laughs> drink it. What's your favorite brand? Um, well, the first thing that came to my mind, and I will stick to this, last <laughs> Super Bowl, um, you know, how commercial Super Bowl commercials are huge. You pay all this money, like millions of dollars for 30 seconds. Well, I thought it was so clever, and I can't think of the brand right now. It's but, a Bitcoin type thing. Yeah, it was a Bitcoin coin type thing. Um, they just had a blank screen, and they said, well, there's two. The blank screen with the QR code that just kind of popped. I don't know if you guys remember that, but bouncing. it popped, bounced around. And you're like, oh, what is that? And you kind of have to scan the code to figure it out. And now 
you know, Bitcoin has your IP or uh, right. They IP know where address. you are. They, they know, know where you're you interested yeah. in QR codes. Um, but the other one is it was just a blank. Hey, this is your bathroom break because you're not you're not going to the bathroom on commercials like normal. This is your bathroom break. Go take a minute. And that's all they had on there. And then they I forget the brand, which I hate that, but. And then they showed their brain. I was like, that was clever. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like to take a minute to, hey, this is yeah. your time. Do you, you know? think something fell through in their production schedule and everything <laughs> was hitting the fan and they're like, what are we going to do? And they thought, let's just give everyone a break. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. in Hope turn never had that got idea got a raise. Yeah, right? right? right. <laughs> <laughs> they were fired and then they were like, hey, thanks for answering my call. Will you come back? What's yours? Well, I love, I, I love, so like, I was just thinking about, oh, last night we went, there was a couple of Lay's commercials. I don't eat potato chips, but I was like, I would go buy Lay's because Paul Rudd and um, what's his face? Oh my God. Paul Seth Rogen mm-hmm. are like now they're dressed yes, up in I like tuxedos and they're sitting together, like reminiscing about all these silly, funny times they had together. And of course, who doesn't love both of these guys so, so much? And they're like, ah, oh, the golden times. And then they're like this with the bag. <laughs> it's like shameless plug for like a product. But sometimes just, again, back to comedic shameless plugs. I just, I loved that commercial last night. I was laughing. Isn't, isn't it amazing how chip bags and commercials look not real as if someone took a, you know, an exacto blade, and to in an effort to cut the perfect line across the open <laughs> chip bag. I'm always astounded. I'm like, yeah, food styling, production design, and styled that food. That's amazing. That's a lot of people's jobs. Yeah. They put like glue and gloss and glaze on things, mm. and none of it's real and edible. And it's like, it's like a whole, it's a whole thing. Wow. Yeah. If they were like really in my house with my kids, like the there's a right. rip down the front of it. You'll right. never put it back together. You have to put it in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> But yeah, cool. No, I love branding. Okay, so this whole show is based, we call it HR Nightmares, because what we're trying to do is just talk about like all these salacious stories that HR people would put in this like book. Every HR person that you meet in your life will be like, I'm going to write a book about that. We're never going to write a book. So we're like, let's put all these like fun stories out there so that people can learn from them. And number one, avoid an HR nightmare. And then number two, the other thing that we do that we'll get to is we get a lot of write-ins from people. We're like, hey, free HR advice. Do you want some? And people are like, yes, I do from all different industries and from all different perspectives. So um, when you think about employer branding and people avoiding an HR nightmare and turning it into an HR dream come true, any good stories to share with the audience? I have one story in mind. When you asked me this a couple weeks ago, I was thinking, what's a branding nightmare? <laughs> and one happened very recently. It's um, I think it's the only nightmare that we've had. Uh, we got really lucky. We hit a gold mine calling our production company Honeyhead Films. It's it's the essence of what we do. We're two blonde women making movies where people call us the honeys around here and there's the hive, you know, and our interns are the bees and the things and the queen bee and all of the everything you could Mm -hmm. ever dream of. We didn't have any foresight to say this is a great name. We just picked it. It's the only name ever. Alliteration. That was it. End of day. Boom. One name. Six years later, we're we're location scouting for our first feature film. It's called <laughs> A Song for Imogene, and it's set out in the country. Erica wrote it and directed it, and I'm the lead actress and producer. And um, we're we're filming in Robson County. We're filming in Bladen County, Pender County, all these places where people don't know Honeyhead Films. They've never heard of us. And we have location scout letters. You know, they say Honeyhead Films at the top. We're shooting a narrative movie. We're interested in using your space in our film. Please contact us. Here's my number, Christy Ray, da-da-da. 
give me a call if you'd like to host our film crew. Everyone says yes. They're very excited out there. Right? Oh, yeah. People are like, a movie. The movie people are coming to town. They're so stoked. Really. Robinson County. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. It was like they laid out the red carpet for us. We're in this little bitty part of Robinson County called St. Paul's. And it was getting down to the wire. We had a couple key locations. Erica wrote a grocery store into one of the scenes. And we fell in love with this ancient Piggly Wiggly. It hadn't been renovated. It looks like a time capsule. You step inside. Yeah, that and is amazing. It's it got great. like the low slung meat counter and the the funny stripe that like goes around the whole store and the old freezers and just everything. I mean, the people you walk in and it's like they've never had a movie film here. <laughs> Wood paneling walls. It's like amazing. It looks so good on camera. And we're just hoping, you know, let, will the pig call us back? Are they going to say yes? And I think we're about two weeks three weeks out from production we're sitting in a meeting with our assistant sam and i have the guy's number as so we scouted like a year ago and then we finally got financing and we're here I have the guy's number saved in my phone and it's it's dale dale with a y from the pig he's calling me dale piggly wiggly on my phone i say i need to take this so i'm in the meeting but i answer the phone I don't know if I had him on speaker. You did not because i wanted to tangent before you told the whole story and say <laughs> that Christy's face throughout this entire phone call was so funny. All we're, I'm sitting there watching her, you know, from me to, to where Gabby is. And she's just like, no, no, sir. No, no, no. Uh, no. That, and she starts to tell the story of the film. Like she she heard something from him. And then she starts to give this log line that founded, sounded very, oh, it's a Southern film. It's about two sisters, you know? And she like started telling the whole plot of this movie. And I was like, why is she telling the manager of the Piggly Wiggly the whole plot? I mean, I suppose maybe he wanted to make sure it was appropriate or it wasn't R or there wasn't, you know, that sometimes is what people ask us. They say, you know, well, we don't want anything, you know, with language or things like that. So I was like, I'm surely that's what she's doing. Well, so she gets wiggly, off right? the phone. They're like closed on Sundays. Yeah. It's like a religious company. So it's like religious brand. Yeah. yeah. So it must be that. But Chrissy gets off the phone and I'll let her finish the story. Well, my conversation with Dale with a Y, and I hope he's not <laughs> listening. Love you dearly. Uh, well... I just wanted to know what kind of film it was that you were going to bring all these people in here to shoot. And I was like, it's a, you know, a Southern drama. That I, well, with a name like Honey Head Films, <laughs> you really just can't tell. You know, you never know these days what kind of movies people are trying to shoot in the meat counter. And I oh, realized oh, he thinks we're making an adult film uh, yeah. <laughs> because our company is called Honey Head Films. And I literally oh, have never oh, encountered oh. someone who would who would put that together like that because they know us and they've heard yeah. or you look us up and you just know but yeah. he probably doesn't use the internet you know and that's he just probably true wasn't sure and wanted to check his boxes and make sure we weren't trying to shoot a pornographic scene and the piggly wiggly and i <laughs> i lost counter. <laughs> i lost it after the phone call but i assured him and everything went well they welcomed us with open arms and they were wonderful and he just needed to check that box to get approval well and when I, we watch a song for imogene we are going to look for the part where she's in Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> yep. And the meat counter attendant, man. He's well, there. I had never thought, because people always say, oh, we love Honeyhead. Tell us where that came from. You know, we love the alliteration, the branding, the bees, the honey, everything that goes with it. Never have we ever encountered that. So it's just so funny. I was like, I've never thought, never thought about that as part of the brand name. So be careful when you're choosing your company name. You know, think of all the ways it could be interpreted. And if you're too far into your journey, you just got to have the opposite effect on people so yeah. they don't continue to be confused. But 
A couple of things that I love about you guys. We're big on building the next generation of talent to fill gaps. And uh, where Leith HR Group is and where we filmed this podcast is in Wilmington, North Carolina. There's a big film industry. We've seen dips and ebbs and flows on how that's going. But it's going great right now, um, which I'm super happy for you guys. But women haven't always had uh, like a seat at the table, like a place behind the camera. Um, They've not always had access to financing, nor do you have a lot of female financiers. So tell us a little bit about how you're changing the film production model and building the talent pipeline in film with other females. Well, I guess we could talk about, I mean, apart from our mission, um, which is always to empower female and underrepresented voices in media. And we try to do that with the stories we create and the stories we tell, as well as the way that we cast and crew our films. But apart from all of that, that has been entrenched in our branding from the beginning, we're in currently right now our pilot season for our all-girls filmmaking summer camp called Shoot Like a Girl, which is a two-week intensive where young women get to create an idea for a story. They get to write a screenplay, learn about cinematography, production design, costuming, lighting, and grip, and they get to film their movies with professional cinematographers and sound mixers and editors, and they get to see it all come together in just two weeks and cap it off with a screening at Django's Playhouse here in Washington, the Kukaloras campus. And the camp came about from a need that we saw in the community through our mentorship program with UNCW interns. And a lot of times our female interns would come to us from the university setting and they would be really under prepared or underconfident for a technical career in filmmaking. And because they hadn't had really a chance at all to jump in into a cinematographer position or a director position or a gaffer position to to work in those more male dominated roles. You know, a lot of times they would get passed off to be a production assistant or wardrobe. Right. Mm -hmm. These more, you know, traditionally female roles. So they were underprepared coming to us sometimes as seniors in college, trying to enter the workforce the next year to do what they really wanted to be doing. And so we figured we could try to bolster these young women from an even younger age. So the time, by the time they got into a university setting, they would feel confident enough to step up when it was time to raise your hand. Who's going to shoot this film? I will. Mm-hmm. I've done that. Yeah. I know mm-hmm. what that is like. Love it. And we've recognized that the gender gap begins before film school. Mm-hmm. So it, it may happen in middle school or high school. And these are high school aged girls who are coming through a camp. And something else that Honeyhead is really passionate about is diversity and access. So we were able to pitch the camp to several organizations in town. And Eric and I were able to raise $18,000 for scholarships that this is year. awesome. So seven out of our 12 campers come from socially and economically disadvantaged homes. And we have a huge diversity of different kinds of stories from different cultural backgrounds that are being told. And that's something that's incredibly important that is often overlooked. Those people maybe don't have a chance to go to university. And how can we help them, you know, step into a mentorship program like Susie Hamilton's film partnership, this 501c3 that is now state funded. That's like a Mm. apprenticeship that is for women and minorities to join the workforce. And I love what you called it as workforce development. It's a dream. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people say, oh, you're having a summer camp. You know, if you can't do it, you're going to teach it, these kinds mm-hmm. of things. And that's just not true. It's like, why wouldn't you want to put your energy into rearing up the next generation who eventually is going to join you and become employees at your company as you continue to grow? We want to hire 
really talented young women, you got to start young, pouring yourself into them and giving them opportunities to learn so that they can eventually become little honeys and, mm-hmm. and join the hive. But to be honest, I could see as you guys grow, I know it's your pilot summer. How many kids do you have? Twelve. Twelve high school girls, um, many from disadvantaged households, getting sponsorships. But even as you grow over the years, like I hope film people from other communities, like save the money, come to Wilmington, you know, get in an Airbnb for two weeks and send your high school girl to this camp because um, this is something unique that you guys are offering from a talent pipeline standpoint. I think it's amazing for the film industry and you guys should be getting big kudos from mm-hmm. communities beyond Wilmington. So thanks for doing that. I can't wait till my kids are in high school. We're excited too. What else do we want to ask them? Do you guys have a favorite platform for business and storytelling and just videos in general? Obviously, you guys are familiar with that. Like a favorite platform. I don't know if you guys know. I'm trying to become TikTok famous for the HR <laughs> group. So I've been mentally like taking notes like this whole podcast um, for my own personal. Um, also, I'm going to just vlog now like <laughs> to not look at the camera. I think that's my thing is that I look at the camera and I forget what I'm going to say. So thank you for that. Um, but yeah, do you guys have like a favorite platform or do you find that once more successful for businesses than others? I'd love to know your thoughts on that. That's a great question. My perspective with social media is knowing your audience and pouring yourself into where they are. Where do they like to hang out? Not everyone is your audience. You may be TikTok famous. You're probably not also pouring your energy into Facebook at the same time because it's really different. And the people who hang out on Facebook are generationally very different than the people who are hanging out on TikTok. Our assistant, Sam, is younger than us by about five years, and she started a TikTok for our company and was like, we need to be on TikTok. All the young female filmmakers want to watch us on TikTok. And we're like, great, that's your baby. You just tell us what to do. Yeah. I don't have the energy to to (laughs) absorb all of it, right? Mm -hmm. But we are great at Instagram. People that follow and engage with Honeyhead, they hang out on Instagram. I put the same content on Facebook. It's an older crowd. I have to change the way I say it. I personally go in and I think about Mostly this is business owners and parents of actors that we work with on our Facebook and they go crazy over stuff, but I have to word it a little bit differently and I take the emojis out and I change some things. And I think about that strategically when I'm doing our marketing. I don't mess with our TikTok. Sam does it all and it's doing its best. It's like doing her little thing. I haven't checked in in a while. We had a lot of fun on the um, feature film that we just wrapped. A, a bunch of our Grip and Electric girls took the TikTok and they went and like were whatever, you, like a takeover and they would go and ask all these, you know, Grip and Electric questions and host these like fun surveys and different goofy things that they were doing. But I would say lean into what makes you excited and figure out who your audience is and where they hang out and not feel overwhelmed by trying to be great at everything because yeah. it's a full-time job. Maybe hire somebody to do it. Yeah, that's, I I agree. It's it's a lot. There's so much time it mm-hmm. takes to like, and it, not everything has to be perfect, right? But it does take time to create content and like learn your audience and make content that they want to either watch, they want to be entertained, they want to learn something new. So it's just been a, again, it's a learning process with the digital world. And to me you know? with TikTok, it feels like you're following a lot of trends, right? So you have to spend a lot of time on TikTok to get good at it. And mm-hmm. on Instagram, we just are ourselves and we're mm-hmm. who we are authentically and we share our hearts when we feel inspired and people connect with that. And I don't have to spend hours on Instagram figuring out what's popular. I just am who we are and I don't have to think about it. And it's, it's effective easy. for mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. 
Okay. Well, now we get into the fun part where we pretend that you are HR people in that seat. So this is kind of in line with branding as a topic, but we got a write in from the triad area in North Carolina. Um, This person said, I just quit my job due to a toxic work culture and issues with the boss. I wrote an honest review on Glassdoor. Just to warn others of the unprofessionalism and toxicity, the old boss just emailed me threatening me to lawyer up due to my glass door review. It has been two months since I've been an employee for him. Well, that's good. Can I be taken to court based on an employee review? Wow. You use glass door? Um, uh, here and there. In the beginning, I did, but I'm not on it like regularly now. Obviously, I'm happy at my job. I like my job. So. <laughs> That's right. That's a good answer. <laughs> what, have you guys heard of Glassdoor? Are you familiar with it? I'm familiar with that. And indeed, I think we're the two job platforms. Um, I lived in Denver for about a year while we were also building our company in tandem with that. And so I was doing some freelance work. So I would often just peruse around for if people were looking. That was This was kind of before Upwork was on the scene mm. where you could get yeah. more. That was more contractor friendly where people would just need a one-off job, you know, and you could build a rapport with them and and work through that platform so everyone everyone felt safe and you knew you weren't gonna you weren't gonna get scammed yeah so but i never really used glassdoor that much but i feel like it's indeed adjacent yeah glassdoor is definitely kind of like the leading website that job seekers can go to to like educate themselves on a company's pay culture leadership there's all kinds of reviews out there. In order to post an employer review, you have to like be a verified real person. So that's kind of nice as a job seeker to educate yourself. If the CEO has one out of five stars from 56 people, I'm probably not going to be interested in working there. If like the whole company has two stars from one review, okay, I don't like put a lot of weight in that. But I would say in this particular situation, like, well, number one, unless you said something that is like, violating some kind of intellectual property agreement or some handbook that you signed. Like if you're just talking in general about the culture and giving your opinion on it, that's your right to do. And there's no way that's the whole like mantra of Glassdoor is like give an honest review about the culture of a company. So um, no, you're not. uh, I mean, you can't like get in criminal trouble for giving an honest review unless you're revealing secrets that you t- said you were not going to reveal. But it sounds like that guy's kind of a jerk and it's probably good that <laughs> yeah. you left. Um, I feel bad for all the rest of the people that are there because it seems like he's trolling Glassdoor. And I've worked with and for uh, people over the last 20 years that are just like so obsessed with someone talking bad about them. It's like that 1980s like management style where they're like hmm, looking out the window at 750 to see who's like, you know, coming in late and, you know, why aren't you in the lab and um, and seeing, you know, the women who are going to pick their kids up before six o'clock because that's when daycare closes. So that's the kind of person that's probably trolling Glassdoor and reading your review. And they're just kind of an angry individual that's like not happy with themselves. Probably there's way deeper issues, I bet. So I would say ignore it. Don't respond to that person. If you get like an actual lawyer's letter you should definitely probably send it to your own lawyer. Go find one. But I doubt, I highly doubt that any reasonable lawyer would ever spend the money or the time to send you a letter saying, get this review off Glassdoor if you're simply talking about culture. This dude is going down in flames at some point in his career. So I'm glad you're away from probably him. Probably right now. And he's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems terrible. So anyway... Anything that you want to talk about here to wrap it up? 
Where can we find you guys? If I am a business owner and I would like a short film, any type of video, how can we find you guys? Honeyheadfilms.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok at Honeyhead Films on all platforms. Awesome. Cool. And then if people want to connect directly with you, just go to honeyheadfilms.com and look for your phone numbers on there. They can call. We've personally at Leith HR Group used Honeyhead Films for some headshots and group photos. If you want to check those out, real people, authentic shots, leithhrgroup.com. You want to do the plug for all of our stuff? Yeah, definitely. Work Talk. Um, it is a employee engagement app. Disconnection's the issue. It's an affordable solution to get your managers and employees connected. Find that at Work Talk dot com. Follow Leith HR on all the social platforms. Again, TikTok, going to be famous. Hit us with a follow and make sure you subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube and you like what we're doing here, subscribe, please. Yes, absolutely. I also want to give a shout out to Vanica, my full-time employer that allows Woo. me to do HR nightmares. Um, but go check. If you don't know Vanica, it's an up-and-coming software company that powers 20,000 HOAs and lots of homeowners. And we're growing, growing, growing. It's good for business and economic development in the Wilmington, North Carolina region. So yes, HR nightmares and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us ladies.